Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is it cool to once again travel to Raccoon City for Resident Evil fans? Can Kingdom Hearts 3 be the first gaming breakout hit of 2019? And who would we like to see in Mortal Kombat 11? Get over here as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to each and every one of our programs as we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's the sub-zero of Humanica Media. you got to check out everything going on today on HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Mortal Kombat! Gerald, your uh, Mortal Kombat intro is kind of a fatality, man. No, I think it's more of a babality, my friend, but okay, whatever, whatever. But it is going to be a great episode we've got for everyone out there today. We're going to be talking about Resident Evil 2 hitting the limelight and also every other thing that's coming out in the Resident Evil universe that is being talked about, being agreed upon. And we're going to talk about if it's cool to like Resident Evil once again. Plus, also as well, Kingdom Hearts 3 hits the shelves this week as the first big video game release of 2019. We're going to talk about if the response, the interest level, and the whole nine yards is going to create that type of interest that we saw last year from Monster Hunter, and if this will be a great way to close out this Kingdom Hearts trilogy. Plus, also, we're going to talk to the great folks at 49101 and Buyer Dynamic from my interviews I had with them at CES 2019. And also, we finally tracked them down, the guys from Go Brothers Gaming, Eric and Octavio Gomez. They're going to stop by to talk about a lot of things going on in retro gaming and why people are getting back into retro gaming once again. And last but not least, we're going to be covering Mortal Kombat 11. An interesting thing happened as far as a movement to try and get a, well, let's just say out-of-the-box type character into Mortal Kombat 11, which is coming up this year. We're going to talk about that, plus some of the ideas that we have going on when it comes to characters that we think belong in Mortal Kombat 11. But first, my friend, it's all about Resident Evil right now. Resident Evil is now coming back into the forefront with the release of the remake of Resident Evil 2. 
It is getting very high marks out there. A lot of people are really digging this remake. Capcom, it looks like, really has done a nice job with a Resident Evil product. It looks like from all the reviews, very, very solid reviews on Metacritic that they've done a really great job. And I've watched some of the footage already. It really scary, really intense, and it brings back those memories that I had originally of Resident Evil 2. Your thoughts on Resident Evil right now, the Resident Evil 2 game that's out. Do you think this is a good starting off point for more great Resident Evil games to come? I hope so. I mean, because what the the first one, they did a remaster of number one, and that was really just a remaster of the GameCube remasters. So they didn't really utilize the engine that they had going for Resident Evil 2. I have really good memories of Resident Evil 2. My big issue with it was when it became, you know, more than just zombies or cults or slugs or, you know, flying bats and stuff like that. But I don't know, man, because like Resident Evil 5 was the first one after 2 that I really kind of devoted myself to playing all the way through. And I've got it. it it was fun, but like I said, man, like I, I miss when it was just zombies. You know, you go into the mansion in the first one, and it's all it's zombies and dog dogs are okay too. The, the zombie dogs are cool, but they kind of like I don't know strayed so far away from that basic formula. So it was nice to go back to Resident Evil Two, and I bought the remaster. But it, it's nice to I've been watching some people play, and it's nice to see it going back to its roots. You know, you're just a cop. It's your first day on the job. You're trying to survive the night, and all of a sudden, all this stuff keeps happening. And I remember playing that game when I was in, um, well, I think I was elementary school when it came out. And remember every time you like go into a new screen and you could hear the uh, sounds, but you did not know where they were coming from. And so the first thing you did, you always looked around to make sure there wasn't anyone near you. And then you always ran out of ammo. And it's funny because the zombies would come at you and you, you know, there'd be a doorway in between you and the zombie and you had to run. Yeah. I mean, you had to get there and pray that they were not going to come after you because you got game over so fast. And that game is crazy. From what I understand, though, with this, they lost the the tank controls. You know, you're free to move around. It's more of a uh, kind of the style of Resident Evil 5. So I'm really excited to play it. I haven't opened it yet, but. I know that you have some thoughts, so talk to me. Well, I like what you said about where Resident Evil has gone off the rails after Resident Evil 5, which was probably, I guess, from a commercial standpoint, one of the high marks when it comes to the video game series. And like you said, it looks like at some point in time, they jumped the shark with a lot of stuff that was going on with Resident Evil in the video hey, game wait, lineup. Quick, do you know that it's ironic that you said jump the shark because in the last one there were zombie sharks? Yes, yes. So I've been told. So there goes the irony right there. But where Capcom was going with the Resident Evil series and Resident Evil Raccoon City, just that was horrid. The reviews were awful on it. And it just seemed like they did not know where they wanted to go with the series or have a great direction with what they wanted to do with the video game series. And it looks like getting back to the basics just doing simple remakes has revitalized the Resident Evil formula and made it palpable and also attractive again for people to get into the Resident Evil game series. Yeah, and plus, like, they have, what, the three? The Nemesis was three, if I remember correctly. And then they had four, which was literally, like, it, it. it's one of the most praised Resident Evil games of all time. So... If they they have they could still ride those two out if they were to do a remake of three and then four you know they they could be hearing people's praises for at least the next four or five years until they get you know their their act together with whatever comes next for that franchise but 
who really knows at this point, man? I didn't expect them to release Resident Evil 2. When I saw the trailer at E3, I did not know what it was until I saw the Raccoon City, and all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, oh, that's what that is. And yeah, and they can even go backwards because they got Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil 1, if they actually did a legit remake of that one. There's a lot of places they could go, and I would love to see. And, you know, I, I always want to ask you this. So do you think they're ever going to reach a point where they feel the need to reboot the franchise in the same way? Because remember, Ninja Theory was rebooting Devil May Cry. So it makes me wonder if we're ever going to get to a point where they kind of wear out the storyline and need to start from scratch and bring us something new, especially with a game like Days Gone coming out. You know, I don't really know what the future for zombie games is going to be. I agree with you. I think at some point in time, they are going to go ahead and reboot the series in its entirety. Maybe just go ahead and just call it Resident Evil from scratch and just make it like a Resident Evil, what, 2020 type release or 2022 or something like that. When they're finished, maybe like you said, remaking Resident Evil 3 Nemesis and Resident Evil 4, I think that's where they need to stop. They don't need to do a Resident Evil 5 remake. I think that's still kind of fresh, kind of new enough where they don't need to touch that one. But I do think that they should go ahead with a Resident Evil 3 and 4 because the tremendous amount of reception they received for this Resident Evil 2 remake. And then you see the great scores. It's got over a 90% on Metacritic from what I'm seeing. And that's just a truly a great opportunity for Capcom to capitalize on not only on a Resident Evil 2, but again, Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4 remakes. So that's good news for them. And yes, if it continues to be successful with Resident Evil 2, 3, and 4 remaking those, then I think they should go ahead and start from scratch with a reboot of the entire series and go ahead from the start and try and go ahead with a Resident Evil game that's brand new, maybe touch on some of the things that made it so special, but also try and create a new offshoot of the universe that people can really get into and call their own. Now, this also leads me into more speculation because the Resident Evil franchise as a whole, when it comes to not only the game, but also the movies. Sony has talked about rebooting the series when, as you and I talked about, what, about a year ago, I think, was the final Resident Evil. That one was released, I think, what, in 2018 or 2017? I think it was 2017, if I remember correctly, because it wasn't last year. I'm pretty sure it was two Januaries ago. Because it came out around the same time as Underworld, if I'm not mistaken. I think we did an episode where it was Underworld versus Resident Evil. But anyways, that series as a whole, as far as on the big screen, made over a billion dollars on the big screen. Yeah, I know you kind of winced before our show when I was saying that we were going to talk about the movie series being rebooted because it's heavily rumored that Sony's going to tap back into that marketplace with new Resident Evil ventures. It's all about the money, my friend, at the end of the day, especially with a company like Sony that just wants to go ahead and just churn out new Resident Evil films. And that doesn't even include what was announced recently as far as a Resident Evil TV series coming to Netflix. That's going to even pollute the waters even more. So it's great for Resident Evil hardcore fans, but it might dilute the water a bit when it comes to the Resident Evil product overall. Okay, see, here's with the last batch of Resident Evil, because that was Screen Gems, right? And Sony that put that out. Yes. They really, they didn't know where they were going. They got so far ahead of the games. And by the time they finally started reincorporating what was in the games, it was too late. They had already messed everything up. Uh, And, you know, if you watched how it ended, 
that was the worst ending to a series that people had devoted over 10 years to that I have ever seen. And it was disappointing to say the least. So that being said, if they're going to make a new franchise and they're going to have like move it forward to through multiple entries, they need to have a starting point for the story and a stopping point. They need to know where they want to end up because uh, who was it that made that movie? Was it Lynn Wiseman? That's Mia Jovovich's husband. I thought it was Paul W. Anderson. Okay. Yes, that's it. That's it. He's working on a Monster Hunter movie with Mia Jovovich right now. So I think you got to say Paul W. S. Anderson because there's the Wes Anderson that's out there that also makes movies. Grand Budapest Hotel, man. As for the Netflix movie, okay, so regular films, they need to have a starting point, stopping point. Netflix show, they need to incorporate it into the movie because that's too much Resident Evil. Because right now, I don't like how you have to watch three animated resident evil movies to understand what the heck is going on in the game each time a new game comes out they always have like two or three animated films you have to watch so if they're going to do more resident evil movies and a resident evil netflix series either the netflix series needs to stand on its own or they need to incorporate it into the movies but the movies also need to have a coherent storyline that's it's not just zombies and explosions like the original franchise was Let's go over to Vegas. Let's go here. Let's go to Washington, D.C. Let's go. Yeah, it just went all over the place, did it not? Yeah, it was everywhere. And like 90% of the last movie took place in a car. Yes, this is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah they need to do something. And then in, the, in that movie, they didn't tell you what happened. All the video game characters they had incorporated in. What, what the fifth one, I think? Because they had, they had Chris and Claire Redfield. Didn't Michelle Rodriguez even came back for one of them, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She was she was killed and then turned and then got killed and then got brought back. Yeah, it just was really confusing. I hear you. I think it was on the last one she came back. I would love if they broke the mold of bad video game movie adaptations. But, uh, you know, I think that people are only willing to forgive bad writing for so long. And we're living in an era where you cannot make a movie like the old Resident Evils anymore. It has to have a, a purpose and it has to have a point. It has to be something that leaves people thinking and i don't think that those old resident evil films would even stand a chance of doing well today so this i want to leave off when it comes to the resident evil conversation here what are your thoughts on this rebirth this re-emphasis on resident evil are you happy with it or do you think it's just going to go like you said it's going to become diluted and we're going to have a situation like we did a couple years ago with not only bad games coming out with the Resident Evil moniker on it, but also bad Resident Evil movies and Resident Evil products out along with it as well. Well, Resident Evil is a perfect example of a company beating a brand to death, literally, you know, no pun intended. And if they're going to do something with this, they need to to be smart about it because I honestly feel like the era of the zombie flick has come and gone. You see it in the Walking Dead ratings tanking. You see it in just a lack of interest in any type of zombie flicks now. Because remember, they used to be huge, man. You go to any store, you'll find Walking Dead comic books. You'll find the action figures. You'll find George Romero movies. You don't see that anymore. And I know, you know, look at the trouble that World War Z2 is having getting off the ground. And even the the follow-up that was supposed to be 28 months later, I think the movie was called, like that got canceled uh, three, I think a few years ago. Was it, but, was it 28 days and then 28 years later, correct? Well, it's 28 days, 28 weeks was the second one. And then okay, the, yeah, okay. the third one was going to be called. But 
I honestly, I feel like the the time for zombies has come and gone. So if they're gonna do something with the Resident Evil franchise, it has to be something thought provoking. I almost look at it as maybe some type of Westworld situation. You know that just because you have the ability to create life and do these things, does it give you the right to like a Michael Crichton stance on regeneration? If that makes sense. Well, I think there is a chance for a lot of people. They have a reason to be excited because things are kind of good once again for Resident Evil. Just be wary and just be cautious because things can change quite a bit very quickly with a bad TV series here, a bad film somewhere else, and also a bad video game with the Resident Evil name on it. It just takes that much to have things go awry, but for right now, things are pretty good in Raccoon City. What are your thoughts out there on the Resident Evil franchise? Are you excited once again with the remake of Resident Evil 2 with the news that there's possibly more Resident Evil movies and also a Resident Evil TV series going to Netflix coming along the way? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. A lot of video game talk. I know that's been dominating our news lately, but with a slow marketplace when it comes to television and movies and sci-fi and comic books and all that right now and video games has taken the forefront so that's what's trending right now in pop culture so that's why there's a focus on it glass in its second weekend took the box office in a little bit of a slow weekend the kid who would be king and serenity both of those films tanked at the box office. Sorry, Josh, and the kid who would be king. I know that we looked interesting to you, but unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way. Oh, man. Disappointment. Things are looking up in the future for the movie scene because Lego Movie 2 is coming out in the not-too-distant future and a lot of other good things as well. And Like I said before in our movie preview, this still looks like it's going to be the biggest year ever for movies. But right now, it is video games. That's our focus. And coming up, we're going to be talking again about Kingdom Hearts 3, Mortal Kombat 11, retro gaming with the guys from Go Brothers Gaming. But right after the break, we're going to be talking to the folks from Biodynamic. My interview with them from CES 2019, just telling us real briefly what's coming up at the audio maker known as Biodynamic. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. All right, we are back at CES 2019. It's Gerald coming right back at you here once again. And I'm here with Pete Carini from Biodynamic, a company that I've visited before and have always been impressed when I've come away with when it comes to audio, high-end for the listener, and also getting into the gaming scene as far as some really quality stuff in the past that you just started getting into, but you have even more this year at CES 2019. Yes, absolutely. We have here our Lagoon ANC headphone here. 
which is uh, the world's first headphone with sound personalization and active noise cancelling. It basically uh, is up for a 2019 CES Innovation Award. Ah, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And basically, I'm going to explain a little bit about the sound personalization. You can tailor this headphone right here according to your day-to-day -day listening habits. And what I mean by that is we have an app called an MIY app, which stands for Make It Yours. So you can download the app, it's free, and it'll bring you through a series of uh, hearing tests. It'll measure your left ear, your right ear, both ears and then create a listening profile based on where your hearing is at and upload it to the headphone. And now you have a perfect personalized headphone. Basically, if you lost any frequencies, as we get older, we tend to lose frequencies in our ear. We can restore it. I can tell you I've lost quite a few of those frequencies over the past few years, but... You and me it, both. <laughs> yes, yes. And, but I will say this sounds like very uh, an intriguing prospect because you know, I, I, there are moods where I like to listen to soft jazz, sometimes I like to listen to something up-tempo, and it sounds like that MIY Make It Yours app can actually do that and, and make it something that's worthwhile each and every time you want to listen to your buyer dynamic. That is correct. Oh, that's, that's awesome and neat. So, and, uh, so tell me more. I, I want, I'm intrigued because I did get this chance to see the press release and I reviewed what you know, was going on with the Lagoon, but it just sounds like there's a lot more going on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great for, you know, music pleasure, good, uh, you know, on the go if you're traveling a lot or if you're going to the gym, it's, it's an ideal headphone for uh, doing that. Because over the year, headphones, they've almost become just as popular as far as out and about, traveling, exercising, like you said, as in-the-ear earbuds, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Lagoon here also has a touchpad on the uh, right ear cup. Volume up, volume down, next track, back track, pause, oh, playback. Nice. Very nice. Uh, and the Lagoon will be out in April, okay. early April. Do you have a retail price as of yet for? Yes, 449. Oh, very solid, very solid need. As far as the drivers, anything internal that that's might be different than what's previously done with Byron Dynamics? Just uh, dynamic drivers. Okay. Yep, low okay. impedance. It's going to give you max volume on all your portable listening stations. And I have previously listened for, uh, like I said before, at CES 2018 to the amazing sound that Byron Dynamics has previously in the past. So this obviously will follow suit in that passion. Absolutely. Appreciate your time right here at CES 2019. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Kingdom Hearts 3 is finally coming to gamers this week. There's a lot of anticipation for it. Very good reviews. Right now it's got an 88 on Metacritic, so that's very strong out there. Your thoughts on Kingdom Hearts 3? Do you have that type of interest for it? And are you excited to see that it's getting really solid reviews? Kingdom Hearts is like the rush of video games for me. You know, you can listen to one or two Rush songs, but if you listen to a whole album, you're going to need Advil pretty quickly. The story is convoluted and impossible to follow. I am probably going to play the third one at some point, but I'm in no hurry to go out and play it right now. Have you been following Polygon or IGN, what they're saying about it? I know you were going to delve into it because you talked about that at the end of one of our episodes. So before I talk about the pre-order controversy that I know our good friend Jamie Monroy from GameSource had to deal with, let's hear what you were talking about when it comes to IGN and Polygon. Okay, well, according to IGN and Polygon, this is you know a two-parter thing, but they both agreed that the game has kind of fizzled out. Like it, it was really had a really strong 
opening and it was, it was kind of fun throughout but then is a, a shadow of the tomb raider ending you know not an ending worthy of the you know all the time and effort you put into it and then the comment sections in these reviews are hilarious because you have your Nomura fanboys and then people who are just casual gamers you know and the casual gamers they do not understand the story for the life of them and i totally get that because i don't understand it either someone put this thread up on reddit that said Kingdom Hearts is about Sora. You have Sora's nobodies, Sora's nobody's nobody. And then you have the other character's nobody, and that character's nobody's nobody. So, that, and, you know, according to the Nomura fanboys, Nomura can do no wrong. And it's, it's just, it's interesting because I wonder if people who really like the franchise can even follow the franchise. Because a lot of people I talk to who like the game, they say they don't even know what's going on with the story. They're just watching it or playing because the worlds are interesting. But what I'm hearing now about the worlds is that it's typical in the Moro where there's a lot of the worlds are big and they're open, but there's not a lot in them. So I'm curious. I do want to play. I need to play Kingdom Hearts 2 still. You know, I played the first one and then I tried playing the, the card game one, Re, Re Chain of Memories. And that one, that was a disaster. So I just watched it on YouTube. But I do need to go back and play some of these games because I feel like I do need to catch up before I play Kingdom Hearts 3. Because from what I understand, they kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the X-Men franchise, how they keep rewriting the storylines. So I, and, I, and they do reference the some of the things that went on in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 in the game. From most of the reactions to it, it is recommended, similar to what we've seen in Glass, it is recommended to watch the previous two iterations but it is not 100% required. Yeah, that's what I'm being told too. But I, I got story OCD. So if I'm going to play something, I need to go back and play the others too. But what were you going to say about it? I know there was also issues because this is the first high profile video game release of 2019. And in doing so, a lot of people, similar to what we saw with Monster Hunter, a lot of people had a great interest to go ahead and buy the first big video game release of the year. Maybe it's because they would like the actual title, Kingdom Hearts, maybe like what, what they saw before from the series so long ago. Maybe like, like you, they've actually got into it with the different versions that, that have been out. And pre-orders for it are somewhat depending on where you go, are, are a little bit problematic. I know with GameStop, they over-pre-ordered, which to me is a cardinal sin when it comes to video game retailers, especially for an entity like GameStop, which admittedly struggling right now, losing money hand over fist, possibly being bought out by another entity in February, and quite likely that a lot of stores may close in the near future, and their order for games got cut back somehow and a lot of people got shortchanged when it comes to their pre-orders which as you and i both know pre-ordering is their thing and to have people like our friend jamie monroy of game source experience the fact that he gets the letter saying hey we couldn't accommodate your request on the pre-order our bad here's a 25 dollars credit that's to me is a disappointment especially the fact that again the first high profile release of the year that makes it something that's not really very wise for GameStop or anybody else that really truly wants to go ahead and carry Kingdom Hearts to any extent. I don't hear these things right now from Walmart, Amazon, Best Buy. I don't hear these things from them, but I just hear these issues at GameStop, which leads a lot of people away. And this is the worst thing that can happen to GameStop at the worst possible time. GameStop's not doing themselves any favors. The only reason people still go to GameStop really is for their game. I guess people still trade games and stuff, but also for mostly for pre-orders. Like I remember, you know, I was talking to you how I always like to go out anytime there's a new Halo 
or something big that I want to buy, I go out and I kind of stand out in line. I talk to people about the game and stuff because that's fun to me. That's kind of been a tradition since before high school. I think back when Halo 2 came out was the first time I did it. But in all reality, you are most likely going to be able to go to Target or Walmart and just walk in and buy it. If you get there, you know, the the day that it's released, you're probably going to be able to just pick one up. So GameStop needs to get their act together there. Who knows how much longer they're going to be in business? Who knows what's going to happen when this other company takes over? But yeah, I mean, I'm still excited to play it. I love the idea of going to the Pirates of the Caribbean world and seeing Frozen. Toy Story looks cool. So if anything, if you don't play it for the story, from what I'm, I'm told, it's worth it just to play it to see the different worlds and hear the soundtrack. And get the special moves that are out there that also have this great and not so accidental link to a lot of the rides you would find at a Disneyland or Disney World. And what do you think about the streaming restrictions that they're putting on the game? From what I understand, they don't want anyone monetizing a stream of Kingdom Hearts 3, which is weird because that's not money that Square would get anyways because someone else is purchasing the game. So it's it's just kind of a weird thing to me. If you're telling people not to stream your game, you're kind of harming yourself more than anything because you're destroying potential interest in a product. Absolutely. And that's free advertising. These streamers are getting a lot of money off of it but you know what square enix is getting free advertisement for the game that's getting very good reviews so there's nothing to be ashamed of if it had been a situation like bethesda and fallout 76 where it was getting really lukewarm reviews to poor reviews that's a different issue because you really don't want to show the people a bad product but kingdom hearts 3 has got nothing to be ashamed of you talked about the ending being a little bit lackluster but overall an 88 on Metacritic shows that there's a lot of critics out there that have approved of the game and that a lot of people soon after when they're playing it will enjoy it as well. And if it's that good of a game overall, it looks like it will probably show up well and be free advertising for Square Enix. So I think that's a, a bad move on their part and a, unfortunately it may lead to a loss of sales. But I still think overall it will sell pretty good. How well it will sell is going to be an issue down the road. What are your thoughts out there on Kingdom Hearts 3? Are you excited to play it? Are you going to be playing it this week? Are you going to be getting it down the road? Or are you interested at all in delving into the Kingdom Hearts series? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos and Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, when we return, we've got the guys from Go Brothers Gaming, Eric and Octavio Gomez, They're going to stop by sharing their thoughts on the retro gaming scene and also 49101. We stopped by at CES 2019 to talk about what's coming up for them. And after that, we're going to be talking about what characters would we like to see in Mortal Kombat 11. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. All right, we're back with the program, and it is once again the Pop Culture Cosmos Well, I'm so glad to finally get these guys on. They are such a tremendous part of the gaming scene here in the Las Vegas area. 
If you get a chance, you have got to check out their awesome Facebook page, Go Brothers Gaming on Facebook, because it will give you the latest information on where they're at in the Las Vegas area when it comes to the video game scene with a lot of video game tournaments, a lot of retro gaming that they're a part of at great places like the HyperX Arena at the Luxor, right on the Las Vegas Strip, GameWorks Town Square, but also many other places in the Valley as well. And we're looking forward to a collaboration event in April when it comes to Retro City Games. Everyone out there, we want to welcome the great guys from Go Brothers Gaming. I've got Octavio and Eric. Thanks, guys, for showing up right here. I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to me today right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We, uh, right. We've been dying to get on your show. We appreciate you having us. Uh, we're big fans and uh, a great introduction. Definitely uh, glamorizes what we do, but we have aspirations to grow even bigger than what you mentioned just now. Well, you guys have done a tremendous job here. I see the effort and time that you put in as far as the video game scene to not only get an audience out there to come to all your events, but just to promote the great things that are going on in the Vegas gaming scene. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I'll start off with you, Octavio. When it comes to the gaming scene out there, a lot of things that have come back to us as far as retro gaming. I know recently when I was at CES 2019, I saw a lot of influence when it comes to the retro gaming scene in fact, some of our most popular episodes in the recent past have covered retro gaming. So I want to hear your thoughts first, Octavio, on the emphasis with retro gaming because of the fact that not only do you work with Go Brothers Gaming to collaborate in some of the events that emphasize retro gaming, but you're seeing it with a lot of younger gamers are now trying to experience what it was like for a lot of gamers so long ago. You know, everyone wants to go back sort of the, to the roots, uh, Super Smash and all things like that. You can sort of learn the origins, where it came from, fundamentals of learning the game, you know, that sometimes you don't get with the newer games. And it just it takes it back to a time when esports kind of wasn't around. And it, it keeps it light, it keeps it simple, keeps it fun. And I love that. And me and Eric have always participated here in Las Vegas in various uh, sort of retro tournaments, things like that. Personally, we, he and I both love Mario Kart. And we've noticed there is a scene for it. We, and we love those guys. We all want to always get them involved however we can. And that's why we do what we do. In the long run, actually, retro games is really what got us going. And not only that, but the, the outreach I've seen recently, as you mentioned at CES, you said there was a sort of showcase or something oh, it, like that. And, and that's something I want to say and elaborate. I've, I talked about it on the show previously with Josh. In the past, when it comes to video games at CES 2019, it's taken a very smaller standpoint. It was tucked to the side in one of the South Halls. It was kind of put to the back and really only given an emphasis when it comes to VR that was given a little bit of a, a spotlight and people were interested in that. But once Microsoft pulled out with its entire spread that they used to have every year at CES and they used to have Xbox as part of that, it seemed like there was such a de-emphasis on gaming there was a little bit of a brief respite when there was a lot of companies out there that were into Android gaming and they were doing their little Android gaming consoles, but then virtually 99% of them all tanked and were flops at the box office when it comes to people wanting to buy it. But it seems like there's a huge resurgence. And in the same South Hall where there was just so much of a smaller representation of the video game marketplace, 
It is now dominated with retro gaming from NX, Arcade 1UP, My Arcade, and so many more outlets that were there that were just representing old school gaming in its highest form. And it was just a pleasure to see. It's very, it's very present now. You see the indie games, they have to mention a great platformer, Celeste, that's out right now. A, a lot of callbacks to 8, 16, and 32 yes. big games. A lot of them. Beat em ups. Fighting games are taking the sort of back turned into what they used to be. And then more into the mainstream, Nintendo. Nintendo really taking lots of notes from their past selves. They're, they're including Super Mario Odyssey. They have sort of the 64 actual as a skin. And not only that, but the controls mechanics, they're all just working beautifully together with what they used to be. Legend of Zelda also having a lot of callbacks. Because uh, Nintendo's been around for a long time, and they're taking notes from what people loved and what they will continue to love. And now, Eric, in that same light, when it comes to retro gaming, what are you seeing from the people that are talking to you out there about their interest, which is really, over, like I said, over the past two, three years, has really grown and have that type of interest now in retro gaming? It all comes back to one thing, and it is social. Being social, having that nostalgia of being in a living room with uh, several other people, enjoying one game, sharing thoughts and ideas and, and, you know, just having normal day-to-day conversations such as we are having right now. Talking about other games doesn't have to necessarily be that specific game you're playing. But I guess the sense of, of unity, a sense of your inner child coming out is the biggest motivation for retro gamers nowadays. It doesn't even matter really what game they're playing is what I've noticed. They play a wide variety of games that I haven't even heard of, but they look fun. And when they're playing with their significant other or what have you, it's an expression on their face that you can't even fathom. It's, It's something you won't see in a competitive setting or with modern day games such as Fortnite, PUBG. All these mainstream games are hitting really hard right now. I believe those games mostly rely heavily on on competition and and earning money. It's not that we don't condone that type of scene, but we want to cater to all types of gamers, from novices to experts, people who casually play, who are competitive, but they're not completely invested in the game. People like that just love playing games, and that's really what it is. If you love playing games... If you love the retro scene, that's what we will always cater to. And on that note, as far as you catering to that type of audience, it just seems like you said with the esports scene, they're throwing a whole bunch of cash. They're trying to get more spotlight out there. They're trying to get more interest in as far as not just Twitch, but you know, we've seen over the past two, three years, esports trying to go ahead and make a more mainstream push with network deals and deals with ESPN, the Turner Networks, those type of situations where they're trying to get a higher profile. But like you said, sometimes it comes down to the retro gaming scene that a lot of people take interest in. And that's something I want to ask you, Eric. Do you see the correlation between the retro gaming scene out there and the rise in the Nintendo Switch? Because it utilizes a lot of options from the past and seems to put it out to the forefront, not only with a lot of great characters that are brought back, like Mario, Zelda, and whatnot, but also a lot of great games on the Nintendo shop that's out there that you can get real easily that takes you back to that NES era. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so going back to what my brother was saying is companies such as Nintendo, people were, were starting to rumor that, you know, they're, they were a shell of what they used to be. But that's not the case anymore. They've sat down, they've listened, they've done their research. They've realized that a big, a huge success of what their structure is, is retro gaming. Like my brother mentioned, Super Mario 64 and Mario Odyssey, their mechanics are very similar. So when I played that for the first time, I felt the nostalgia of, wow, I'm able to live in the moment for the game that was just released, but also have that sense of nostalgia. Like when I played Super Mario 64, other games such as Mario Kart, not exactly the same type of competition, but still has the essence of a colorful experience full of items, you know, different characters. Now they've gotten more immersive with statistics of cars and all that. But those are little minor differences that we can still enjoy. It's the sort of joy of being able to pick up the control and play it. It's it's not too complicated and everyone can have fun. You can always pull it out wherever you are at a party, at a just random social gathering, anywhere you are, you just pull it out and people will just get together and have fun. Not only that, but about the Nintendo sort of uh, attention to their older games, uh, I believe if you have the Nintendo online service, they give you a wide variety of choices of your favorite games for free with along with the paid service. And that's that's really awesome because they added multiplayer features onto each of those games and online services those games as well so you can be playing a lot of really loved games online now as well you're right obviously nintendo offers all those things and more because they've really stepped it up i'd still like to see them do even more when it comes to their online platform but they're leagues ahead of what i used to bash them for when it comes to an online experience from what they were and it's at a point now where it's decent enough where you can get by and go ahead and have a pleasant experience, especially, like you said, with the callbacks to the NES games of the past. And that's the great thing about retro games, is that when you're going ahead and playing a game from the past, there's no complicated storyline. There's no complicated mission structure. You just go ahead and you just start it up and you play. That's the great thing about retro games and why they're so special to a lot of consumers out there. They bring back, like you said, a lot of fun, a lot of smiles, and people don't have to take it seriously like you would, say, a Red Dead Redemption 2, where you have to really get involved with what you're doing. Or if you're getting into a Fortnite, you really have to get into a mode where you're you're really getting invested into it, and you really have to get serious about whether or not you want to go ahead and improve your building skills or your shooting skills or your fighting skills or what have you, depending on what type of online structure there is for whatever game that you want to play in a modern setting. But when it comes to retro gaming, guys, it's just all about putting the quarter in or turning on the start button and, and having a lot of fun. And I know you guys are seeing that right now. One last thing I want to ask you guys when it comes to what we're talking about when it comes to retro games here. And once again, I have Octavio and Eric from Go Brothers Gaming. If you get a chance, check out their site, Facebook, and you just type in Go Brothers Gaming, G-O-B-O-R-S Gaming, and you'll get to see all their upcoming events as well. One thing I want to ask you guys is you're really big here in the video game scene here in the Las Vegas area. What plans do you have going forward for Go Brothers Gaming? To make events and we want to make them for everyone and we want to get everyone involved. We want to 
build bridges to to each other and to get people knowing each other, talking, and just gaming, gaming in the end. And uh, I'll throw it over to Eric and see if he, what what he has to say. GoBros Gaming is growing faster than ever. As you know, we have a little less than a year since we've initiated this organization. We have so many, so many ideas expanding our horizons, not only from video games, but incorporating ourselves into education, video production, anything really we can get our hands on, we will do proudly and dedicate ourselves. I am proud to announce that we've recently grown our staff and recruited members that I believe will be great attributes to the team. And so you'll be hearing a lot more from us from here on going forward, not just in the gaming scene, but several other mediums of entertainment. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And Eric or Octavio, can you tell us what special events do you have for in mind for the people of Las Vegas that are here on a regular basis or even just visiting this great city? We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. This February 16th at Wolf and Lamb, Las Vegas, uh, we're going to have a Hearthstone tournament. It's going to be really great. They're a sort of, I believe what they call a licensed fire tavern for the Blizzard community. We're going to have a great event there. Coming later, we still have to get sort of into the logistics of finishing up, but we will be sure to inform everybody out there on our Facebook page if they want to follow us. We also have Twitter and Instagram, and we'll keep everybody updated as soon as we know what else we're going to be doing. Fair enough. And I hope we'll be able to do something beyond the April 25th date that we're going to be having together as far as another great charity event at Retro City Games. Hopefully we'll be able to do something at Level Up as well, the Level Up Expo, which is coming the weekend after that, the 26th and 27th and 28th to the Las Vegas Convention Center. Hopefully we're going to be able to try and cook up something there as well. Guys, I'll tell you what, it's just been great having you on the show. You got to come back and talk video games with me at least a few more times this year because it's really just great to have you a part of the program. We would definitely love to be back, both me and Eric. We love gaming. We love the whole community. And if uh, anybody's willing to talk to us outside of states or anything else like that, we'd love to just sit down and talk with them about anything else they would like to ask us questions about or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We encourage everybody to come check us out. On our Facebook page, we have so many updates. We're constantly doing updates, not just only for uh, gaming events, but other social events as well. We love incorporating all types of entertainment. Uh, GoBros Gaming is, is becoming more than just the gaming scene. And you'll be able to see exciting news coming up on our Facebook page. Once again, you got to follow them at GoBros Gaming on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram can't forget the Instagram as well. I'll tell you what, if you do, you will not be disappointed because not only just about the Las Vegas gaming scene, but they always interject with their thoughts on the video game world as well. Well, guys, it's just been great having you on the show and also a part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. 
All right, we are back once again at CES 2019. We're here at the Pepcom event, and I'm here now with Bella. So Changer, is, as far as Bluetooth has headphones is concerned, tell me what makes the difference between Changer and everyone else. Okay, so the normal Bluetooth earphone, when you're out of battery, you need another cable to, to charge your device, right? But now this one, you just unplug here. So you're actually disconnecting it right now and putting it into, let's say, a portable battery that mo most people have as for additional space, for additional battery, for something for their cell phones. Yeah, so even though, like the square one, you can charge it from the wall. This one is a multiple-use cable. It's not only charge your phone, you also can transfer data. So if you have more memory, you want to transfer data to your computer, you can do that. And even better, you can stolen the battery from the other phone. So like you're outside, your battery, is, uh, your phone's out of battery, you don't have a power bank. What would you do? You're like, borrow your phone from your friend and transfer this to the micro USB. This one, you can transfer data from your memory device to your computer. Okay. But right now over here is stolen battery. So you see, my iPhone's charging. It's stolen battery from this one. Ah, so stealing battery space from one to another in case, you know, yes. my wife and I, we have various usage and whatnot, so I manage to always use a little bit more than she does, so now that's a good way with this changer to go ahead and, you know, while she's not looking, actually take some battery from her phone, yes. although hopefully she won't hear this, but yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so you know who's your true friend, who will give you the power from their phone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, Yes, it's not an invitation to go ahead and steal randomly from other people's phones, yes. But obviously the data transfer capabilities, the battery transfer capabilities, that's very impressive. How about the actual sound of the unit itself? What kind of drivers or, or exactly what kind of sound is created from these Bluetooth headphones? Because that to me is the biggest difference between headphones that I've used and earphones, earbuds, full-size headphones and whatnot is the difference when it concerns Bluetooth and actual corded headphones. Yeah, so our sound have a certificate from the Sony, so it's really clear. And the earpod, they come with a memory phone one. So everybody have a different size of a ear. So the memory phone will memory your size of a different size of ears and make it really comfortable. And our Bluetooth is a number five, so really stable. And we have a water resistance, so you can run in, now the Bluetooth itself, depending on the model, I've had issues going through dense places. For instance, I've actually in past Pepcom events that I've been here at, I've actually taken and borrowed units that have been given to me and whatnot for review and actually put them on, went through somewhere like let's say the Caesars Palace shops and they've actually been able to have serious issues when it comes to connectivity. Will I be experiencing those same type of things with the changer? How has it been tested out? So you mean the connection between your device and the yes. earphone, right? Sometimes when you get into dense areas with some Bluetooth, not all Bluetooth, many others work just fine, but with some I've had issues walking through various areas that are really dense, foresty, too many devices yes. around, or just like this, for instance, this building has a lot of layers to it. There might be some issues sometimes with connectivity between your devices when it comes to Bluetooth. So once they pair with a the device, they, will, they won't disconnect until you disconnect it. And my personally wearing in the airport, nothing happens, really smooth play. Our name 
it means 49% the price, you get more than 100% more the quality of the product you get. Okay. So that's why we name this way. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. So final questions I'm going to ask you for as far as obviously there's a lot of great things going on with the changer earphones that not only take care of transferring battery from one unit to another, transferring data to your computer, but also providing a great sound as well. How much is this going to retail at and where can people find it? So right now it is available for pre-order on Indiegogo for $88. But starting in February 2019, it'll be commercially available on the Changer website for 150 US dollars. It'll be at 49101.com. Okay. 49101.com. You can go ahead and get the Changer earphones. They're Bluetooth. They look awesome. Not only that, I'm going to show you some pictures if you go ahead and check out our social media on Pop Culture Cosmos. They also data transfer between back and forth between your computer. Also as well, going ahead and. Well, you know, take some battery from us, some other phones, which actually has me very interested while providing a clean and awesome sound. Ladies, Edna Campos, and also as well, Bella Wu, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate stopping by here at the Pepcom event at your booth, 49101, for the Changer Bluetooth earphones. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played on radio all around the world, seven days a week, check us out, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You'll see a listing of all the different radio stations and the days and times that we're on. And if you want to hear us on our podcast networks like Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more, it has a listing of many of those podcasting options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's up with Humanica Media? Put on a new episode of Topic Apocalypse yesterday. Uh, we we're talking about technology, and Brian Kane wanted to talk about CES. So that's something right up your alley, man. But no, we talk about robots and TVs and all kinds of interesting things. And of course, it's up there now. If you want to listen to it, check it out on Podbean, iTunes, and all the usual places. And also, they're on every Tuesday night on the Podcast Radio Network. Just want to make sure we give a big shout out to Eric and Octavio Gomez from Go Brothers Gaming and also as well the folks from 49101 and Buyer Dynamic. Check out their awesome products as well. And I also want to give a shout out to our good friends and not only Miracle Fruit Oil with their awesome gaming bracelet, Vita Brace, but also our good friends at Rob McCallum Films and Retro City Games. And what happens if they go ahead and they order a Vita Brace? Good question, Gerald. They get a free Sonic the Hedgehog video game. So you use the code found in this show, and we will send you a code for a free video game. So you're basically trading codes, but you also get $10 off your Vitabrace. So this is a win-win-win-win. So definitely check that out. Vitabrace Gaming Bracelet, which really gives you a helping hand when you're going ahead and battling it out there on the video game scene. And I believe it's code 10. So thank you again so much to all of our friends from them, Rob McCallum Films and Retro City Games. All right, my friend, before we head on out, we got to talk some Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> Jamie Monroy from GameSource coming up again. He actually dropped on the GameSource Facebook page, which you can check out at any point in time. Something that actually went kind of viral from our location, an article from comicbook.com talking about a movement for Shaggy from the Scooby-Doo franchise 
getting him into as a DLC character for Mortal Kombat 11. Your thoughts on Shaggy possibly becoming that, and do you think it's actually even feasible for him to be a part of Mortal Kombat 11? Zoinks! Um, okay, so let me let me explain the uh, the backstory behind this whole Shaggy thing. Okay, I don't understand meme culture very well. There's there was like moth memes, and there's a whole new like meme movement featuring Shaggy, and I I didn't know that that was like gonna explode into something big. It was I chuckled at it, but I, other than that, I was like, eh, it's kind of stupid. So I I clicked on, but then lo and behold, I get on the internet today, and Shaggy's everywhere why i want to understand the trends why does this happen what has happened since is that there's been an online petition to get shaggy into mortal kombat 11. first of all whoever owns the rights for shaggy is not going to want to put shaggy into mortal kombat 11 and have him put into a situation where his eyeballs get ripped out or he gets impaled or he has something go through his head or has his heart ripped out or his face ripped off or anything else that could possibly happen in a fatality in Mortal Kombat 11. So your thoughts on the possibility of Shaggy ever being in Mortal Kombat 11, would you like to see it or do you think it's actually even feasible? It's not feasible and I don't want to see it. And there's no way because Cartoon Network right now owns the rights to Scooby-Doo. And there's no way, because that's one of their biggest kids shows, there's no way that they're going to let Mortal Kombat have Shaggy in any form because that's going to be a loss of Scooby-Doo viewers for them because parents are going to be watching and like, oh, this is violent. I don't want my kid being around Shaggy. So that leads me to a new set of questions here when it comes to the Mortal Kombat 11 game coming up. They're obviously going to have a roster full of great characters from the original Mortal Kombat series and also subsequent iterations of it. Your thoughts on different characters coming that you would love to see added as DLC. I know you got three in mind. I'll let you go first. What are the three characters you'd like to see appear in Mortal Kombat 11? I want to say Isaac from Dead Space is my first one. My next one is Conan the Barbarian, especially with with Conan. What's the, there's a new Conan game coming out that's one of the most anticipated games of 2019. Not um, Conan Exiles, that's for sure. Conan that was Exiles. awful. Yeah, Conan it would be a good property because he, it's dark. You know, it's dark and it's violent. He's a very broody character. I think he could fit into the Mortal Kombat world perfectly. Okay, my last one's a wild card here. I'm going to say Claptrap because. Claptrap is so used to living in a world of violence and destruction. And can you imagine how good his fatalities would be? Like just the stuff that they could make him say. It would be hilarious. I've got three I'm thinking of as well. I think first off, something that you would like, and I know that because it's a series that you're really fond of, the alien xenomorph being one of the characters that would be part of it. I think that would be awesome. Was that your left field card? I love it, man. That's that's awesome. That'd be so cool to see. And I guess it would depend on which one it is, but like it would be cool to see the chest burster and then, you know, maybe one of the fatalities could be them like summoning one of the other three and they just jump off the screen and rip the other guy to shreds and run off. That'd be cool. I would hope that they would have a soundbite in there that has Bill Paxson going, we're screwed, man. We're screwed. I think for my second choice, I want to go with Big Daddy from Bioshock because he's got that drill motion right there on his right arm that could really just do some heavy damage. And then last but not least for me, I think this one's a natural. I mean, a lot. Of, I know in the video game world right now, it's kind of iffy, especially after his last major outing as far as what was expected of it. Duke Nukem. 
Duke Nukem would provide a lot of profane but funny one-liners, and Gore is not too far behind from whatever he could do. Sustaining damage and giving out damage, you could just think very creatively along the lines of what you wanted to do with Duke Nukem. But it is something that we're interested in with Mortal Kombat 11. No, we don't think Shaggy's a good fit for Mortal Kombat 11, but we thought today we'd bring up some other good ideas as well. What are your thoughts out there on Mortal Kombat 11? Are you excited for the release? And do you actually think Shaggy should be a DLC character? And if not, what other characters from the video game world or wherever in pop culture would you like to see in Mortal Kombat 11? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. My friend, it's been a great episode. Want to thank everybody for being a part of it and listening to our great program. We've got another great one coming up on Friday. Any last thoughts on the way out? I finished Iron-Blooded Orphans last night, and it was pretty dang good. So maybe on a future episode, we'll talk about it. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special commercial for We Podcast and We Know Things. Wow, a commercial? Yes, Sam, a commercial. You do this to me every time. Anyway, we are We Podcast and We Know Things, the source for all of your nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. Heck, even wrestling. We're basically spreading the good word of nerd one episode at a time. Check us out here on the ESO Podcast Network and wherever fine podcasts are, including the iOS podcast app, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all the goings-on in the nerdy world. Now back to your ESO Network podcast. Who's better than us? You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.